episode 47, Sunday, September 23rd, 2012. It's that time again. XJ Talk Show is on the air. Uh, okay, so it's a podcast, but you know what I mean. Anyway, here's Tony. And here I am. Had an interesting conversation today with uh, Josh, Northwest 99XJ. He uh, And you'll be hearing this on some upcoming shows. He's uh, been in the field trying to record some interviews with people. And uh, he was uh, in, uh, he's out of uh, Oregon. And he was off uh, off road wheeling this weekend, this past weekend, and uh, well, I guess it was today. Maybe it was yesterday. Anyway, uh, he uh, w- approached uh, a couple of guys that were uh, wheeling, and he said, "Hey, I- I'm uh, doing some uh, testing of podcast uh, recording uh, interviews over my cell phone for a podcast." And uh, the the conversation went with, uh, "Well, you know, what podcast?" And it was like, "Oh, a, a Jeep Cherokee podcast." And the, the one guy said, oh, is it, uh, what was, what's the name of that thing, Cherokee Talk? Or, and Josh said, uh, XJ Talk? And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's it. I've listened to a couple episodes. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm just amazed. Here's a guy, not necessarily, maybe he is an XJ Talk member, I don't know. But somebody well across the country that has listened to some episodes. Well, it was a bittersweet thing because Josh said that the guy said, yeah, he goes, I listened to a couple of shows, and it was this guy, and he was just talking for a long time, and uh, I, you know, I tried to get into it, but I just couldn't, because it was just a lot of talk, and Josh encouraged him to listen to it again. He says, yeah, he was doing that, and then he, uh, he stopped doing the show for a little bit, changed up the format, and brought it back. He says, uh, I think it's a lot better now, so... That was, uh, it's kind of a good thing, kind of a bad thing type thing. But uh, honestly, uh, it was great criticism because it's exactly the reason why, or at least one of the reasons why I had stopped doing the show. It was just, I just couldn't imagine anybody wanting to sit and listen to me uh, literally drone on and on for an hour about just random things, either having to do with the website or uh, my Jeep or the 99, or I, and I believe at, at one point I was even talking about the, the problems I was having with the Mustang. So hopefully the the format that you're hearing now is a better format. And, you know, uh, if you're a regular listener and there's something about the show that, you know, just doesn't quite mesh for you, let me know. I, I, I can really use the feedback. Uh, I, I'm not a professional broadcaster. I'm just some Yahoo with a couple of Jeeps and uh, trying something to to entertain you guys and inform and entertain you guys. And uh, it's great to actually have uh, Josh helping out with uh, trying to do these uh, on the, uh, what do you call it, in the field interviews, which I think is just going to be fantastic. And uh, if, if you guys would like to get involved in that, you know, I encourage you to, to, to do it. That's what the website xjtalk.com is all about involvement it's a community it's about us coming together and learning and, and doing but anyway so uh we'll actually be doing a a new segment tonight uh it is not going to replace the jeep tip segment it's going to be um one of those uh, segments that we 
we mix in with the uh, the show format and uh, you know hopefully make it a little better make it a little more interesting and uh, more on that in a little bit so uh, I've been updating you guys on my uh, Jeep engine replacement and there's been uh, a new development uh, it seems to be running very well uh, it just starts really good runs very smooth uh, not producing the, the power that I would expect it to be producing. And uh, I, uh, after talking to uh, Mark XJ for Life 2, uh, he and his uh, certified technicians at the, the shop that he's uh, in charge of both uh, said, based on the symptoms I was telling him, it's a clogged catalytic converter. So I, I Sunday, Saturday, I went over there first thing in the morning with my catalytic converter that I had uh, purchased the week before and didn't put on uh, when they flow tested uh, the thing by hand and um, I said I'm, I'm go ahead and, and open up the exhaust because I want to test drive it and then if that gets rid of my 4100 rpm rev limiter is basically how it's acting but at 4100 rpm then I want to replace this catalytic converter I would say just replace the catalytic converter and then I'll see but I don't know where it's clogged uh, the catalytic converter itself may be fine. Maybe the muffler is clogged. Maybe there's something in the pipe down the line. So we were basically going to uh, open up the exhaust system. I was going to drive it, and then I would make the determination about putting on the catalytic converter and then try again and see if that fixed it. And if it didn't fix it, then we would uh, troubleshoot it further. So they got it up on the rack, and uh, they waved for me to come out there. And uh, it was first thing in the morning, so the morning sun was coming in. Uh, shining into the bay from from the rear and you could quite clearly see um, this smoke coming from the exhaust pipe and I was dumbfounded because I didn't think it was steam and how could it be oil so I stood there and thought and one of the guys said how many miles do you have on this engine and I said uh, about 500 and he he took a long pause and he said, 500 miles? And I said, yes. And he said, it's a new engine? I said, yes. <laughs> and he was, he was like, he couldn't believe it because it was basically smoking like what you'd expect from a, a high mile engine. So um, uh, Matt, MS Morenberg, has been on vacation this past week, but I went ahead and sent him a text message because... I mean, I looked in the, uh, after I told him to take it down, never mind, just take it down and I'll take it home. Uh, I, I, in the parking lot, I opened up the, uh, the air breather and took out the breathing element to see if there was any oil in there, to see if it was actually pushing oil into the, the breather, which was getting into the uh, intake and then being burned. Because I, I couldn't imagine that oil was getting past the brand new uh, pistons and rings and uh, board uh, cylinders. And I saw nothing there. So uh, I drove it home. And this is interesting because I had remembered seeing some smoke uh, a couple of days prior that I, I thought was probably oil smoke. Uh, and I had seen that there's a, a leak on the, the uh, not the valve cover, the, uh, the bottom of the, the, uh, the bottom engine, the bottom of the engine cover, uh, oil pan. Uh, I noticed there was a leak there, and I wasn't sure if it was coming from the harmonic balancer seal on the front or if it was coming from where the oil pan uh, meshes in with the uh, timing uh, gear cover. 
So I just figured that there was some oil getting on the exhaust and that's why I saw the smoke. I didn't think actually the smoke was actually coming out of the exhaust. Anyway, got it home and uh, went back and forth with Matt a little bit in uh, on doing texts. And uh, he reminded me that the that we never did put a PVC valve in the back of the valve cover. Um, we knew that we felt that that was a PVC uh, valve that went in there, um, but we didn't have one the day that we were changing the uh, swapping the engines. So uh, his wife actually went by a parts place to pick one up, and they said that that year didn't have a PVC valve, but he was, he felt that they probably did. Anyway, I told him, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Well, I didn't take care of it and um, kind of forgot about it because uh, the thing we have in there looks like a PVC valve, but it's not. It's straight through and, and open like the one in the front. So after the, after seeing the smoke uh, and chatting with, uh, with Matt or texting with uh, Matt through the, uh, through the telephone, I uh, I went went ahead and brought the XJ home, got my wife's TJ, drove over to the parts place, the Jeep parts place, and got a honest to goodness uh, PVC valve, and also told him the year and the engine and so on and so forth of the Jeep, so that he could check and see if there was a PVC valve uh, supposed to be in the valve cover, and where it was located, and there was supposed to be a PVC valve, and it was located in so so supposed to be located in the rear of the valve cover. So I went ahead and got a front and a rear, um, whatever you call the, the one in the front that's just straight through, no PVC and the, the, the rear PVC. The idea being was is that I was going to come home, put the PVC in the, uh, in the valve cover and run it and let the oil burn off. Well, um, since Matt pointed out to me that the, the rear, the PVC line doesn't run uh, to the air breather, it actually runs to the intake. So uh, the oil, if it was being uh, sucked out of the, the top of the, uh, the, the valve cover area where the rockers and stuff are, then it would actually be going into the intake. So I thought, okay, well, I can open up the butterfly of the throttle body and look and see if there's oil in the intake. And it's only about an inch and a half, maybe two inches where it connects to the intake, uh, where the line coming from the, the PVC valve connects to the intake. I looked in there. And I didn't see any oil residue at all. It looked very clean. So anyway, I ran the engine for a while. And um, it was, uh, when I first started it up, there was no smoke or very, very little smoke. And then uh, as it warmed up or maybe as the oil pressure came up, I don't know, it started smoking more. And actually, there, there was quite a bit of smoke. And, and as I told Matt, it wasn't like old-timey mosquito sprayer fog, which would be a very thick fog. It was, but there was enough there where you could actually see it. It was, uh, it was quite a bit, um, and I was getting more and more depressed. And he was, uh, we finally got on the phone and we were talking about it. And uh, he was, he's under the impression that it must be uh, the, um, what do you call it? Not the, not the air pressure, but the, the suction that's on the engine is, is there's a lot of suction. I, I mean, I took the valve. Uh, the, the oil fill cap off to see if I was going to get any blow by, like if there was a problem with the rings and I would see some blow by coming through the, the opening of the valve cover and I didn't see anything. And I put my hand on there and, and just about got a hickey because it, it, there's so much suction on that engine. <laughs> so he's thinking that maybe the suction on the engine is so high that the oil is actually being pulled down through the valve uh, guide seals. And that's how it's getting in the engine. 
So anyway, Jeep's down for a week. I'm not going to drive it the way it is. If, if it, if there's be, I want you to be aware I'm depressed <laughs> about this because this is going on for a long time. This is, a, this isn't something that's ever happened to Matt before. And, uh, certainly my preparations in buying and, uh, choosing the individual, uh, that has built mini engines and buying all the new stuff and making sure that it was going to go as smooth as it possibly could. It's not working out. And that's very frustrating. It was a long time planning. It was a, uh, a quick implement implementation as far as uh, swapping out the engines, but the engine was methodically built and, uh, checked and et cetera, et cetera. And we're just having problems with it. And it just may be a lemon, which is, which I told Matt, worst case is we're going to be rebuilding the engine that we just took out. <laughs> so one way or another, uh, my Jeep is going to be reliable again. And uh, just for all parties involved, I did say, I told Matt, first thing, look, I'm getting tired of dealing with this. I'm sure this wasn't what you had in mind whenever you agreed to uh, be a good guy and help me uh, build this engine and swap it out. If you want to uh, cut bait and run, please feel free to do so. This is my problem, not yours. And of course, I, yeah, I knew I was going to have to argue with Matt about it to try, even try to get him to consider it, and uh, it wouldn't even go that far. So Matt's in it to the end. We'll probably both uh, uh, commit suicide before letting this uh, <laughs> letting this engine beat us. So that's what's going on with that. It's uh, it's quite depressing, but uh, <laughs> for me personally, uh, my wife wasn't too happy about it. She even suggested, uh, you know, why don't you get that truck that you were talking about and uh, get rid of the, the Cherokee? And I said, uh, that ain't going to happen. Uh, I said, the truck uh, I was thinking about getting uh, doesn't have anything to do with replacing the Cherokee. It just had to do with uh, having it as a, uh, having it to drive and, you know, an, an, another vehicle. It's always nice having a truck with a bed, and uh, I was looking at some uh, Dodge Ram 1500 quad cabs, but uh, it's a little bit too big for my uh, for my daughter to drive, I'm afraid, and with uh, the unknown with gas prices, it probably isn't a great idea to get another, another vehicle that doesn't get uh, great gas mileage, so I don't know. Um, we probably do need to start looking at a, <clears throat> an additional vehicle, but it's not going to be replacing the XJ or the 99 XJ uh, or the TJ for that matter. TJ is doing great. So is the 99, 99, uh, overheated on us. Um, what was it? Uh, Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday after all the fun I had, uh, with, uh, with my Jeep, uh, found out that the 99 overheated, but, uh, it was low on coolant. So we, we put some coolant in there, in there and, uh, it's been fine since. So, you know, you know how Jeeps are. They're uh, they're worse than uh, women sometimes. Sorry to our women listeners. <laughs> so tonight we're going to have a new segment called uh, Electrical and Audio Tips. And uh, this is going to be a supplement to the Jeep Tips, not a replacement. The host for this new segment is going to be Josh Northwest 99XJ, as you know him on xjtalk.com. And Josh is with us here tonight to uh, give us a little uh, tidbit of information about how the, the electrical and audio tips came to be. How you doing, Josh? Pretty good, Tony. Thanks. Um, I, I've been a big fan of the podcast for, well, ever since the beginning. Um, and when you brought it back and you, and you switched the format up a little bit, 
and um, added the Jeep tips. I, I really thought that was a great idea. And, and after, you know, several installments of that, I kind of noticed a, a pattern, not necessarily a bad thing, but there was, there was never any, any, anything electrical or audio related about that. And although we're not all audiophiles, um, we all have electronics in the Jeep and everybody who has ever had a problem with electronics, um, especially automotive electronics, know how troublesome that can be. Um, especially, you know, uh, troubleshooting or, or, or dealing with a repair or whatever. And, and I've got a little bit of expertise in that background. And I figured that, you know, I could, I could help add to the show and, and get, you know, some of that helpful information, that useful information out to, out to the listeners, um, by creating this sort of, um, this sort of other little electrical and audio tips segment. Yeah, um, that's great. And also too, I just want to thank you for jumping in and, uh, you know, pitching in and helping out with the show because it's not the Tony show. It's about jeeps and the, the people that have jeeps so whenever you get involved it makes things uh, i think much better for the audience because you know a lot more things than i do about electrical and audio just like steve and the other contributors for jeep tips have uh, shared their uh, mechanical information about jeeps so i think all together just like xjtalk.com we come together we share information and we all benefit from it and that's kind of what I was going for is, is just sharing the kind of information and, and the kind of help that I could provide, um, you know, with, with these more specific type of problems that, that may come up and, and some of them may be a little bit mundane and, and you may, a lot of people out there may have, you know, think of some of these things as well. It's, it's a no brainer. It's common sense. And some of the other stuff where we may get a little bit more technical and, uh, and I'll try and keep everything in, in terms and, and, uh, in a structure that everybody can understand and, and of course, I, I'm always willing to, to help anybody out there that has these kind of problems. And I'm easy to find on the, on the website. And uh, I'm almost always on the chat. Uh, Monday through Friday, you can find me on the chat. Um, and so you can always PM me as well. Uh, shoot me a private message if you've got something that you just can't figure out. Um, and we're, there's a possibility we may even create a thread uh, specifically around this so that if you have a, a question um, and you're a, you know, a member of, of xjtalk.com, you can post up a question and, and we'll use it uh, in these segments. Yeah, I was just going to mention that uh, that uh, Josh and I were talking right before I hit the record button on, on doing this segment. And uh, I mentioned we could put up a, a the, well, actually what it was, uh, was we were talking about using the voicemail, the 530-675-4102 for the segment to ask questions for the electrical and audio tip segment. And I was explaining to Josh how people just really don't seem to like using the, the voicemail very much. I don't know if they if they're kind of concerned that they they don't want to hear their voice uh, on the podcast or they're too nervous to get a, uh, a sentence generated. And Lord knows how I know about that. I'm doing the podcast and I'm always struggling to come up with the right word. So uh, the idea was let's start a forum, uh, electrical and uh, audio tips forum, where you can ask questions there. And then Josh could actually answer those uh, on the podcast. And, and this, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, and this doesn't have to be strictly related to, you know, uh, well, you know, how do I hook this up or, or how does, how does this work in the Jeep? I mean, if you have a question about, you know, some sort of an aftermarket unit that you're trying to install and the best way to go about that, or if you have a device that you're looking at that you want to add to the Jeep, um, that you, you may want to get pointed in the right direction of, you know, is this, should I go with this? Should I go with that? What do you think about this or, or, or that thing? Um, you know, by all means, uh, you know, you can, you can post those up as well. And, and, uh, the voicemail is, is a great idea. I encourage people to use it. It's there. Um, but the, you know, the thread that we're going to create, um, is also going to be another avenue for that. 
and anything electrical or audio related folks, um, whether it be, you know, Hey, I think a speaker's blown. What does that sound like? And what do I do about it? Uh, to, you know, I've got this short in my electrical system. That's always causing my battery to go dead or, you know, I've got something electrical related with the engine. And I think that it's causing, you know, these kinds of issues. You know, how do I get around that? Any kind of uh, troubleshooting is always a little difficult to do, you know, over a podcast or over the phone or sight unseen. Um, but in the tip segment, we're going to go in electrical and audio tips. We're going to go through some of the things that might help you guys with those kind of issues that may come up. And also, too, uh, we can uh, actually post in the electrical and audio tips forum some more detailed information that uh, based on uh, the, the segment that Josh has done, if there's more detailed information that he can't cover in the podcast because it's just a, a small segment, he can post it up in the electrical and audio tips forum and then you guys can read more about it. So there's a, there's good reason to be member, uh, be a member of xjtalk.com or just make sure that you have it on your favorites so you can go over there and uh, at least read the, uh, the posts. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to, you know, cover a lot of information as, as the weeks go on. Um, and uh, if, if there is something that ends up being extremely technical or that you know, absolutely have to have some sort of a visual reference to go along with this, if there's some sort of a chart or diagram that, that needs to be um, you know, looked at when we're talking about one thing or another, uh, I'll make sure that that, that goes up um, or at least that the members have access to that. Uh, and just like you said, it, you know, another reason to be a member of xjtalk.com, uh, having access to this kind of information, this level of information out there. And, and that's what we're trying to do is just help people. The dreaded schematic will be one, yeah. one of those things that you would have to have a visual, <laughs> a visual oh, yeah. representation of. Um, so uh, that's great. You guys, I uh, hope you enjoy the electrical and audio tips segment. It is going to be in addition to the Jeep tips. So we're going to alternate those things. And then uh, perhaps uh, you never know there, there may even be, Another segment coming on down the road, uh, something that you're interested in and something that you want to contribute to XJ Talk Show. So as always, just contact me on the forum or uh, you can uh, uh, send me an email at tips at xjtalk.com. So if you have an idea for a segment, send me an email, tips at xjtalk.com and let me know what it is. Probably one of the requirements is going to be Skype. As you can probably tell, Josh has some lovely audio, and he's worked hard at that uh, to to give that to us. So Skype is what we're using, and that's what I would encourage you to use. So look into Skype first, and then uh, come up with a a, a great segment idea, and uh, we'll get you on the podcast. It's like we've got Josh on the podcast. And Josh, thank you again very much for being involved in the show. No, my pleasure, Tony. Glad to do it. This segment is brought to you by Ironman 4x4, the toughest, most adjustable control arms in the industry. Ironman 4x4 has a wide variety of rugged off-road suspension products that are overbuilt and underpriced. Visit Ironman4x4fab.com today. That's Ironman4x4fab.com. Electrical and audio tips. Hey everybody, this is Josh, NW99XJ, and in today's electrical and audio tips, we're going to go over the ground loop. If you already know what a ground loop is by name, then you've got a leg up on just about everybody else out there. Um, Some of you may know it as the uh, audible tachometer, the sound that you hear through your stereo as your RPMs go up and down. 
Uh, it might just be that annoying sound that you've lived with for a while. Uh, in any case, it's called a ground loop. And uh, the gist of the matter is, is what it is, is your audio system looking for the path of least resistance on the ground plane and finding it through your audio cables. And that's the amplifier. And when this 99% of the time happens in an amplified system, if you're hearing this in a non-amplified system, you've got a lot of other issues that we're going to have to go over. But most of the time, you're going to hear this when you hook up an amplifier to a set of speakers um, and you've got an improper ground. Um, you always want to make sure a rule of thumb when we're dealing with an amplified system and grounds is uh, keep the ground as short as possible, uh, usually under a foot, 12 inches or less, and at least the same gauge, if not larger, than the power supply wire. You always want to make sure your power wire is routed on one side of the vehicle and your audio signal is going down the other. So if you have an amplifier installed in the back of your Jeep Cherokee or in the back of your vehicle and um, you've got your power and RCAs and signal and, and turn on wire and everything all going through you know, one, one run uh, all down one side, it'd be a good idea to split that up. It causes a bunch of other issues from RFI, the, the magnetic interference, to uh, it, it can even cause a, a ground loop by uh, picking up that signal. That, that power signal, everything that it is you know, radiating from those power wires gets picked up by those audio cables. They're basically just one big antenna at that point. Even if they're shielded, they can still pick up uh, some of that excess stuff that's floating around out there. But now the ground loop, 99% of the time, is caused by a bad ground. And it's really easy to solve. You want to make sure that you're, you got a short ground, it's a proper gauge of wire, and you got a good mechanical connection, uh, whether that be, you know, um, where you're screwing it into the amplifier. Always a good idea to use connectors or, you know, uh, crimp on connectors. You make sure you got a good mechanical connection there. And when you're finding a ground on the body, remember every vehicle, just about every vehicle out there manufactured, the body, anything metal on the vehicle is the ground, is the negative source of your power. And when you're finding that ground, you want to make sure you're going through, you know, either like a seat bolt or, you know, if you have to go through the sheet metal, and you make sure that you're going through at least two layers, at least double thickness of that sheet metal. That makes sure you get a good thread bite and, uh, and, you're, and you're grabbing a good chunk of metal. If you're just going through super thin sheet metal, you know, you're, you're probably only grabbing maybe one or two threads at best on that screw. Uh, and there's just not as much metal to grab there. It can work its way loose. Um, and, and it's just not going to give you as good a result as going through, um, you know, something a, a lot thicker, like, you know, double or triple thickness metal. Even catching it at a, at a seat bolt or a seat belt bolt or something like that. Uh, and when you do find a, your, your spot for your ground that is short, remember, uh, you want to make sure you scrape away the metal. Uh, a good continuity is important here. If you're just trying to, you know, tack it on, hold it over, you know, painted metal, you wrap it around a bolt or something like that, well, that's not going to cut it. You want to make sure you got good shiny metal and wire to wire or, um, you know, uh, wire to metal rather, uh, or, you know, connector to metal uh, connection. I always recommend using a little star washer or something underneath a ring terminal when you're screwing into sheet metal. Uh, finding that ground and that makes sure you that that star wash will bite into the metal actually and really make sure you get a good solid connection and all these steps will ensure that you have a good solid ground going to that device whether it be multiple amplifiers or even if you're wiring in your stereo and you're, you're you know you're doing a full you know original wiring on this um, you know, getting your own good ground is just peace of mind and uh, you can bypass the the entire audio system that's in the Jeep already wire up your own if you do that make sure your ground is nice and short and you make sure it's a good gauge cable and you make sure you got good metal connection and if you do that and you make sure your audio is routed properly nine times out of ten it's gonna eliminate a ground loop 
Now, when all else fails, there is a cheat out there. I never recommend doing this because it's, it's kind of taken, you know, the long way around a problem. Um, but there, there is something that's called a ground loop isolator. You probably get them at your local Radio Shack or electronic supply store or something like that. Um, these can pose other problems once installed into the system. These are generally just an inline audio filter that's an, an, a fem female RCA on one end, a male on the other, and it's got a large capacitor in the middle and it uses capatants to to isolate and, and eliminate some of that 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 frequency range but oftentimes they can hold a charge and when you turn on or off your system you'll get a large thump through the uh, through the system and, and that's no good now in, in your case you know a, a ground loop isolator might be a good option for you but you know again it, it's kind of just a band-aid uh, and I don't recommend it there's it, it's it's just masking an underlying problem and there and there's a better way to go about it but you know if it's a good choice for you it might work well, I hope this helped you troubleshoot and track down your audible tachometer, that dreaded ground loop. And, uh, and hopefully these tips will go ahead and help you isolate that and eliminate that. If you're having troubles, feel free to PM me. I'm always happy, uh, happy to help somebody out, uh, with their problems. And it's kind of hard to, you know, diagnose something, uh, you know, through PMs, emails, or, you know, over the phone or whatever. But I'll see what I can do. I'll be more than happy to help you out. The electrical and audio tip segment is intended for entertainment purposes only and not to be used as professional advice or as instructional guidance. Any attempts to use information provided in this segment are done at your own risk. Electrical and audio repair, troubleshooting, or installation is best left to trained and certified professionals. from the 4x4 podcast and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. And we have Wayne Cantab27, his uh, username from xjtalk.com and uh, also moderator there. Wayne, thanks for joining us. It's been a long time since we've had you on the show. It's good, good to be talking to you again, Tony. Well, I thought we would follow up on uh, the, the last show that we did, which uh, addressed, uh, well, I guess, actually, I guess it was you using your Jeep after uh, the major quake there in Christchurch, New Zealand, and uh, thought I would uh, just see how things were going since then. If I know we, we have a, um, uh, a link on the site, a thread on the site, where you give us regular updates uh, about how, how things are going in Christchurch, but uh, I thought the uh, listeners might like to hear it firsthand from you. Yeah, no, um, in the, um, with the earthquakes, the ground movement has calmed down a, a hell of a lot. We haven't had any decent shakes, big life-threatening, scary stuff since Christmas, I'd say. Still getting the odd little one, but nothing to worry about. Um, work is moving, as in, in the rebuild. They are still checking land in certain areas to see if it's worth rebuilding on. There's um, the latest argument with government council the people is they want to merge a lot of the high schools together but uh, there's still a lot of houses well they call them the red zone which they haven't made a decision on if the people are around to live back in their houses or their houses will be pulled down these sites still a mess the um raining still a mess there's still a lot of roadworks and uh, hold up i think 
they're talking 150, 160 million a year on roading all the infrastructure for the next five or six years. But it's um, it's very slow, slow progress. So uh, the uh, on the red zones, uh, does that mean that those people cannot live in those houses? They're not meant to live in the houses. Some of them are living in the houses, but some of them have to because rentals here are, are really expensive to rent a, rent a house now at the moment if you can find one. Right. I would imagine that supply and demand is what's uh, what's causing that. So um, the uh, is has the rebuilding uh, started, or has the constant, almost near constant earthquakes uh, after the those two big ones has that really kept the uh, the rebuilding down? No, there's a few new houses going up. We've got a up the road. There's a new house just gone up for earthquake. There's a few. There's still a lot of buildings to come down in the in the actual town business district. Uh, a few buildings have gone up. The new plans have come out for the new city. The new roading, they're going to do new roading as well. The plans are out. They are building little, or what would you call it, little villages for all these workers they think are coming in. As in, so, like uh, single man quarters, three little family quarters in their own little wee town, they're building those. So uh, they're still expecting 30,000 odd workers to come and help out. We, I know my boss has been talking to some Chinese people to get some concreters in because we can't find any, which is um, pretty interesting, I'd say. Um, but yeah, it's going, it's, it's, they can only do so much. Sure. Now those 30,000 people they're expecting to come in and uh, help with the construction, is that from around New Zealand, Australia, or just anywhere you can find them? Around the world, anywhere. Okay. So including um, Chinese, um, Philippines, a lot of Irish here at the moment. Uh, anywhere, anywhere you can get them from. It's um, we might get a few Australians. I'd say the way because um, all new ex Kiwis coming back from Australia because the mining over there is taking a bit of a dump. Ah, okay. And there's a lot of construction workers in there and whatnot. So it's. So we might see a few of those come back into town. But at the moment, there's nowhere to house them, if you get what I mean. So they're going to oh, build yeah. those uh, sure. little cities. And uh, are they planning on building them out away from Christchurch? Because I know that the, the quake was uh, was pretty much centered uh, in Christchurch. So I would think... I did bring where they're going to be. They'll be, be, be in the suburbs. So obviously, there's not so much travel for the workers. You don't want them out of town and traveling in and out. Sure. But, um, yeah, it'll be good. We, um, it'll be good for New Zealand's economy to rebuild. Yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot of arguments. People have personal arguments with insurance company or the legal. You know how it's going to be with legal stuff. There's a lot of that happening at the moment. Right. Yeah, there's always a, a lot of turmoil that goes on whenever there's a big change like this. But it's good to hear that there's things moving and changing. I wasn't sure about that. Um, and it's interesting to hear about the concrete business too. I mean, it makes sense that there would be a lot of concrete to pour after this. Are y'all having any problems getting the the basic materials to to make the concrete? Not yet, because the boom really hasn't started yet. We um, the concrete company we deal with, they are getting new trucks and more drivers on. Because if you if you're a painter here in Christchurch at the moment, paint and decorate it, you're busy. If you're uh, like myself, a uh, play the concrete, you're busy. A lot of builders are still quiet, waiting for their initial. 
because we're out doing repairs. These guys are waiting, can do little repairs, but they're waiting to build new houses because it's going to be a hell of a lot of new houses be getting built. So they're still doing the subdivisions, the new subdivisions for the new houses to be built on. So do you think this is going to affect your month off in the, what, what is it, around Christmas time or is it, uh, I can't remember no, when you get off. No, no, nothing interferes with that, Tony. That's <laughs> Wayne's time. <laughs> That's what I figured, Wayne. <laughs> no, we need, we need the rest then, I tell you. It's, um, we, 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 we actually can't find workers ourselves. We'd like to have put more on, but most of them are already working. And if they're not working at the moment, they're either, you know, um, a drunk, don't want to work or on something else, if you get what I mean. Right. <laughs> they're pretty hard to get. Well, we're trained, you know, once you know what they're doing, it's, it's easy enough to get a labourer to dig a hole, but we don't really dig holes, so we we don't rip out. We've got a crew ripping out in front of us now, which has helped, helped a hell of a lot, because that was, that was really hard work going in and um, ripping the concrete ourselves. Because a lot of the houses are established, but you're doing the patios and stuff around the back, so it's all done, and a lot of it's done by hand, because you can't get machinery in there. Right. And that, that was uh, nice to get a crew in doing that for us. <laughs> Well, it, everything sounds positive. If, if the quakes would just stop, I mean, uh, uh, I mean the the I think you said you had something like a, a two point seven uh, earlier today or yesterday, I guess. So yeah, that, that, that yeah. doesn't sound. That sounds like California quakes to me. Yeah, they, they, we we probably yeah, before that site was up, you'd probably get that most days anyway. <clears throat> but because you know that site now, you check it. You know every second day. Well, we used to check it every day. Now it's like once a week you might check it, or unless you feel a shake. The last one I felt was. Um, Actually, wake me up was Tuesday, Wednesday morning at quarter past five. And it was only a little shake, but it just it was like a gust of wind hit the house. Right. Um, apart from that, everything's positive. Everyone's looking forward. Yeah, there's like uh, there are people still doing it tough, real tough the way they're living. But um, now that weather's getting warmer, it's September again. But we've been through all this. Long, long as it doesn't go snap again, mate. We 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 everything's pretty positive. Good. Now, uh, have they? Uh, was there any any talk about rebuilding the the church, the hundred plus year church that uh, they had to tear down? It's still sitting there. They um, they are doing a new one, temporary one, made out of cardboard. I'll put the link up for this. Actually, I did. It's just new technology. I, I don't really read it too much, but um, that, that's really been put on hold. There, that has been pulled down, so it's safe. Site safe life for that church, and they don't know what they're doing. As in, there's arguments going on. There, people who own the church, obviously, they're they're, they're what was it? Cathedral, yeah, it's a cathedral, uh, Catholic church, whatever it is. Might be the other one actually, but um, they want it down. But the uh, greenies, they want to keep it. You get what I mean? The heritage people. Yeah, that was a. I mean, that that was just a, a really beautiful church. It was really sad that that. I had to take the brunt of the uh, of the earthquake, but I, I guess those are the things that happen. Yeah, nearly every church in Christchurch got got, got um, well, as we call it, <clears throat> bunted, broken. Most of them are built back then and built to um, out of the same sort of stuff. It's, um, you drive around in most places, the churches are all just all roped off. Right. For, um, yeah, it was just quite quite bizarre because all the gravestones are all falling over. They don't have to even fix that kind of stuff, just little stuff like that. Your mate's on my TV at the moment. Is that um, President of yours? Oh, okay. If you say so. 
<laughs> no, it's on our TV at the moment. <laughs> you want to do it up for you? Yeah, well, uh, they say he's my president, but we'll see. <laughs> no, things are positive, Tony. It's, um, yeah, but like I said, we, we, all, we just don't need another decent shape. We're still on, you're still on edge when you hear a rumble or truck or train and that kind of thing. Well, of course, with all the, the devastation that was uh, that occurs from, from the ones that you had, I would be very nervous because you don't know how much trouble you're going to be in and how long it's going to last. Well, that, that's, yeah. what, that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, that big crack from the wall separating from your house, has that been, been repaired? Are you now uh, dried in? No, yeah, we, we're dry. We're, we're going to have to sort that over over Christmas. We'll have, we'll have a look at that. I've got a brother-in-law who's a uh, builder and stuff. And um, we'll have a look at taking that chimney down and fixing that wall and lifting the floor back up. And uh, like I said, Bridget paints and stuff now. She wants to repaint the whole house and everything, so we're oh. not really concerned about it. Of course. Just another uh, another opportunity to change things. Yeah, it's a still, I, I do see a lot of um, areas getting fixed what really don't need to be fixed, plus going hard out because <laughs> it's a million dollar house or it's a big area. It's funny because we got into the east side, so you need to do some fix-ups. It'll be interesting to see how um, much is getting done in there. Right. Uh, and I did forget to mention at the beginning of the uh, of the interview here that uh, Wayne and I went back and forth trying to get a, a good connection on Skype, and this is about the best one we could get. Um, so uh, that's just the way the nature of Skype. It goes across the internet. Sometimes you get uh, good quality audio. Sometimes you don't. And uh, as I was telling telling Wayne, I think this connection still sounds better than a, a cell phone connection. So. <laughs> no, there's no hesitation. Even on like a landline, there's a hesitation when you talk overseas. Yeah, it is very quick. It, that is nice. There's, I don't hear. I'm not hearing a delay, and I'll I'll notice delays when I'm talking on the cell phone. Any um, when I do use Skype, the only delay I get is when I'm talking to Jim because the information delayed when it goes into his head. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you have it's, to, it's different. You have to wait for the beer to react. <laughs> yeah, and your bows. It'll cost me. That's all right. <laughs> he'll never he'll never make it to New Zealand to uh <laughs> to confront you so there you go. Although I was thinking, you know, with all those jobs there, you never can tell. He might he might be heading over there. I mean, he's doing real good with uh, with the job that he's doing, but still. That would be uh, that would be an interesting place to work. There's um yeah, there's jobs for any, anyone over here at the moment. As in and, um you can swing a hammer. Or if you're in the building engineers right down to, you know, a hammer, hammer hand or a chippy or whatever, is work here. And you could probably make uh, a, a fair amount of uh, tip money, five, ten bucks, uh, if you uh, took some spare Jeep parts to Wayne. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, um, <laughs> yeah, about that. Oh, so it's, it's, yeah, yeah, find out more about that in a couple of weeks when I order that lemon locker thing. Yeah, I can't. It's just the uh, two hundred bucks. Uh, I saw that uh, that deal that somebody posted on the site about uh, they can sell you a uh, a locker, and it's only one hundred ninety seven dollars to ship. I mean, is that? I just kind of find it hard to believe it's in in the twenty first century that it costs that much money to ship something that small. To uh, I, I understand you're halfway around the world, but you know there's planes and stuff flying all the time they can't put some stuff on the plane and i don't know i just it just seems awful high to me but now it's 51 dollars to get the starter motor shipped here cost me 76 dollars for the starter motor 51 shipping <laughs> yeah see i get upset 
that's, that's just what you pay. Yeah, I get upset with shipping. Uh, just you know, for the anything that's over ten or eleven bucks here, I get upset, and I could find it, try to find it free or uh, closer to you know five or six bucks. And uh, but my gosh, that's uh, and I, I really hate it when I'm buying like a six dollar part and the shipping's ten dollars. I, I won't buy it. I just won't do it. I have to buy this, but I have to buy because I can't fix it. As with getting something made, it has to be purchased to fix. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not suggesting that you didn't, you know, you shouldn't have bought it. I'm just saying that's just the way I am. But sometimes yeah. you got to do what you got to do. There are other ways around it. I'm looking into that. Is um, what I need to do is find someone who's got a business who imports this from Europe. become their friend. When they bring a container over, throw things in the container. Yeah, I'm surprised there's not somebody uh, that you, the, all you, you off-road people over there don't form some sort of consortium and and rent a, one of those uh, one of those uh, uh, ship containers and to send it back and forth, back and forth. I bet you could. Uh, I bet you could sh- uh, ship uh, two or three complete jeeps uh, worth of parts just uh, over a couple of uh, containers. But no, no telling how much that costs. <clears throat> not enough jeepers here to, to warrant it. Don't worry, we thought about it. There's not enough people will modify jeeps here to warrant that kind of thing. Well, I'm I'm sure that there's no. I was saying off road. I'm sure there's enough off road people. Well, I guess that some of the off road stuff is is not as hard to get. The parts aren't hard, as hard to get as Jeep parts. Maybe that's yeah, what I maybe that's what I don't understand. They use the Japanese, the the, the Toyotas, the Surfs, and the Nissans. Those parts are easier out of Australia. Although there's that many of them here, the, the junkyards are full of them, as you call it. Oh, okay. So and yeah, those parts are just easier to get. So you're what you're doing is you're paying extra for being a rebel. Pretty much. But it's worth it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I agree since I don't have to pay it, I guess. But uh, it's, it's, it's probably what, like, um, uh, you know, your tour, your uh, surfs or whatever, what we call them surfs over here, your, your, your forerunners or whatever, they're, they're, their parts are probably more expensive to buy. America. Oh, I think uh, there's I think there's a lot of that here too. I think we got everything uh I know that the uh well anyway, I know that it used to be the Range Rovers were like that, where the Range Rovers were very uh expensive and fairly rare. I mean you see them uh often enough, but it's not anything like what it is for um like the Toyotas and certainly the Jeeps and Chevrolets and Fords and stuff. Range <laughs> What's that? Range Rovers have a real four-wheel drive. I don't think so either. I don't think anything with that much of aluminum is uh, would be considered a four-wheel drive. But the old ones, the old Land Rovers, and that are good, that good old school. Right, <coughs> truck, those new bling bling things. Now. Yeah, Range Rovers. Uh, I see a lot of uh, rich folks in Range Rovers. I think the, um, I guess, wow, well, I guess it's twenty years ago now. The Range Rovers were about uh, sixty thousand dollars, and uh, in the eighties, that was uh, that was very expensive for an off-road vehicle. Well, yes. All the gangsters drive them according to our TV when we watch movies. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I guess you see them in Hummers. Uh, they were doing the H two thing uh, there for a while, uh, at least from what I saw on television. And um, hmm, trying to think. Uh, I guess even the trucks nowadays too, like the Escalades, the uh, SUVs. Of course, I may be behind the times. I haven't re- read my uh, Drug Dealer Weekly in a while. <laughs> Just put on the music channel. You see with the rolling in. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't handle the the music channel. The, no, these kids. These kids these days. Yeah, it's not music. So, uh, 
you mentioned something when we were talking uh, before uh, hitting the record button uh, about uh, switching uh, Jeeps. I didn't know if you wanted to uh, mention that briefly. Uh, that's just all about annoying Jim, that. That's the only reason I bought the TJ. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> just, that's, that's the only reason. Just to annoy Jim. No, I'm, doing, I, I'm doing a different sort of four-wheel driving now. And the old TJ, she's got the cage. Everything's bolt on. And um, if I flop it, it's um, an easier fix. Yeah, and seeing some of the stuff that you did recently in the TJ, I can understand why you would be concerned about flipping the XJ. That's yeah, some exactly. that's some hardcore stuff, man. I'm, and I'm still surprised you didn't take those uh, flares off before you went off road. I knew they were going to come off. I based on getting out of the cab. Yeah, but I'm just surprised you didn't take them off first. Leave them at home. <laughs> the, um, there was a video there. We'd see that's. I've got to make some um, tube flares up for those. I'll, I'll sort those out. They're going to be sorted out. Well, that's that's just put people behind a wee bit. Yeah, for the wheeling that you did uh, most recently, I don't know if you've gone again since the since that last time. Uh, tube, uh, some nice metal tube flares is exactly what you need. I was just going to find a decent link to build. I could find plenty of them on the, the net. The ones because we've got to cover our tires. The most of the ones I'm finding are just like just protecting the truck a bit, but the tires are still sticking out. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's going to be. Uh, That'll make it more interesting. That'll make it more difficult for sure, and a little more costly. I'm sure you'll figure it out, though. Oh, yeah, and no, I still with the down being a bit because it's Barbie. I want to keep the, you know how they're flat fenders. I want to keep the shape of the guard as it drops down, so it's the regular shape. But, yeah, we'll sort of good job when we come to it. So I, I missed that. Did you say you're going to try to keep the flat fenders or keep the shape on of the fenders you have now? Keep the shape of the fenders so it's the, the, the TJK lock, the Wrangler lock. Oh, okay. Oh, we're going to try that. But if we can't, we can't. Yeah, I'm kind of partial to the flat fenders now. I think that's a nice look. I mean, who knows what what it'll probably go back to being the more covered in the future. But right now, the flat look is uh, kind of the end look for uh, actually both XJs and uh, TJs. Yeah, I'll probably have to probably have to be. Flat well, was there anything else that you wanted to cover, Wayne? No, that was good. Um, no, it's just, um, I was moaning about the shipping from the USA to New Zealand, but I've already touched on it. Yeah, I don't blame you. That, that just, uh, well, I, like I said, it just drives me up the wall thinking about paying shipping here, much less that much shipping. But the great news is, is that at least you can get the parts because it would be, uh, that would be an expensive planter to, to have for your garden. <laughs> You're not wrong. No, it's, um, it's this, this, yeah. That should sort of out. So they're, they're weak anyway, the little Dana 30. So, um, but the, the harder X was what, was what ate it. Oh, I forgot. I was going to ask you about the, um, well, well, I guess you kind of answered that. You're, you're going to be getting that, uh, that locker in. So your Jeep is, uh, your TJ is just kind of s- sitting there right now, not going anywhere. It's, um, never made. Have a mate shop. It's um, just sitting there and he just, when he opens for business, he just drives it out and drives it in. You want to get the locker, I'll go and take the locker over there and we'll set it up. So any, still got, I'm sorry, so any idea how, why that pin uh, came out of the uh, the spider and caused all that damage? 
I would say my V8, my right foot, grey molly axles, diff, diff head come the next weakest point, sheared it all to pieces. So basically the, the weak point moved to uh, the uh, to the spider and the pinion. Yeah, so if we beef that up, it should move to the outside again. It won't be an axle, but the next bit well, should be able to be fixed on the, in the bush if I carry the right parts. Right. Um, hopefully. Right. Well, that's, that's, that's part of the learning experience. Well, the, the Jeep's still new to me. So uh, this is learning, and I'd rather break it when we're close to town than when I'm a couple of hours away and, uh, where I've been and uh, West Coast and stuff. Oh, absolutely. So it's, um, it's no buggy. It's just eating into my tire, new tire money. <laughs> hey, I, I bet you it's a lot different uh, wheeling in that TJ2 from the XJ, although you know the XJ isn't that big a vehicle. But the TJ being so short and also to being uh, where you can see uh, out of the side so easy, I, I would imagine that's a kind of a different feeling, like a small little go-kart type feeling. I, I, I actually can't wait to um, when we get warmer weather, take the roof doors off and do wheeling. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I probably want to drive on the road on the streets and like that, but um, wheel it like that. Well, Wayne, thanks a lot for being on the show uh, again, and uh, hopefully the next time we do this, um, we can uh, get a better Skype connection, but this is the way those things go. You uh, you roll the dice, and you get what you get. Yeah, it's been good. Just um, like say good day to all the, all the members on XJ4, and the sister site, bringing the regular talk, which Jim is a member of people, it's quietly. It's slow. And, uh, just good day to everyone in uh, Everyone's it's this Wrangler talk is slowly building. Uh, I like that. I actually see people on on the site when I just go over there and refresh. They're uh, they're kind of hanging out, waiting for somebody to post. I wish they'd post more, but there you go. I keep forgetting it. I, I forget sometimes to post on that site, but I'll be trying harder with this because because I'm doing the dirt. I'll put an update on there. I think I put a video of me mate rolling over last night on there. Yeah, I did. I put that on there as well. But sometimes I forget. Well, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's very understandable. I mean, I pushed myself to post over there just simply because, you know, I went through the trouble of uh, putting the site up. But it's almost like walking around in the house talking to yourself. If you, if you don't think anybody is there listening, you know, why go to the effort of, of, of posting if you don't that, think anybody's reading it? <laughs> that's, that's why I still post on that. And a lot of my questions about Wrangler on XJ because I know I'll get the answers. Oh, yeah. You get what I mean, but then I can relay those answers over to that side. Oh, my wife just got out of bed. You hear that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell, tell Bridget I said hello. Tony says, Great America. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's still asleep. <laughs> All right, Wayne. Well, thanks a lot for the, uh, the interview, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon, and of course, talking to you on XJ Talk and WranglerTalk.com. Not a problem, Tony. Nice catch up, man. See ya. XJTalk.com. It's where you go when you're not off-road. Well, that's our show for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed it like you've been enjoying the past shows. I know there's a, at least a few of you out there that really look forward to these shows every week, and it's it's very gratifying that you let me know that. And uh, I think a few of you are actually telling your friends, which we always appreciate. Well, it was great talking to Wayne again. It sounds like the things in Christchurch are improving. Certainly, there's a lot of work 
uh, to be had in uh, Christ Church um, for the rebuilding. And that's always wonderful to hear that it's going to be new and rebuilt and uh, uh, especially after a disaster like that. It's just sad that there has to be a disaster for that kind of uh, rebuilding and work to go on. And also, too, want to thank Josh for doing uh, the first segment of the electrical and audio tips. I think this is going to be a great addition to the XJ Talk Show and will supplement the more mechanical side that we've been doing with our Jeep Tip segment. And I think you're going to find a, a lot of uh, a wealth of information from Josh, uh, especially with his uh, background in audio and electrical stuff. Stuff. Technical term. So uh, please join us next week. Hope you have a wonderful week. And hopefully, hopefully, (laughs) in the next episode, I will have, uh, certainly I should have more information on what's going on with my mother f***ing engine. (laughs) And and if there is a God in heaven, (laughs) it will be be resolved. At least one way or another, it's going to be resolved, even if it requires another new engine. Anyway, till next week, you guys have a, a great and, uh, God, hopefully a nice running engine week. <laughs> I'll see you. Next week on XJ Talk Show. Yeah, I don't, I, I think that's, well, it's been pretty normal for me. It's just, you know, average everyday living, uh, at least in my neck of the woods for, you know, what I do and, and everything. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it did come across surprising that, that you were shocked that I was able to put that many miles on in, in that period of time. And I'm thinking, well, geez, you know, that's just, it seems normal to me. And, and I have had to replace some things over the years. You know, I had the typical exhaust, uh, you know, the exhaust manifold crack. And so here I am approaching rush hour traffic uh, with wide open throttle. And I ended up going around to several different parts stores at the time and finding that these things were still on the shelves. 